On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. They keep on doing the same things the same way and they wonder why they're no longer having success. It's a unique way of analyzing growth of a business to help maximize potential. How to better engage an audience on social media. And in our business profile, we'll introduce you to a planned beef plant that secured major financing this past week. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of January 2023. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. You may recall the story from some 30 years ago. In an effort to restore the natural ecosystem within Yellowstone National Park, gray wolves were reintroduced because their previous extermination adversely affected interconnectedness of species there. The process was called rewilding, and that concept was the inspiration for a company called The Rewild Group, which provides tools and resources for business leaders to help them successfully grow. Matthew Pohl is principal of the Rewild Group. We see human organizations like businesses as really human ecosystems. You know, it's not a machine. A, a business doesn't work like a machine. There's just too many moving parts, too much dynamic interactions between the variables within the organization. And so our methodology that we've been researching for decades is called organizational rewilding. So we take this concept of most businesses have a lot of things they're doing well, but they're usually missing a few elements that once infused will have this dramatic ripple effect, just like the gray wolves did in Yellowstone National Park. So that's the concept of rewilding. It is interesting because often in an organization, we think of a flowchart. We think of some diagram. We think of something very static and very flat. Mm -hmm. And the reality is those boxes, if you will, all contain human beings. And so by definition, you have fluidity. But we often just look at the boxes because that's something that we know and doesn't change. That human variable, that can really gum up the whole works if you're not careful. Yeah, and it's really the impact of humans on the ecosystem within a business that really our research really highlighted as the key variable in organizational growth and business growth. And really, when we set out to do the research, the question we are trying to solve is, why do some businesses grow and continue to grow while others either fail to really start growing or they grow to a certain point and get stuck, oftentimes retreating to previous plateaus. The research of over 1,500 small and mid-sized businesses across dozens of industries and now globally has shown a pattern. And it's really that pattern that starts the foundation of organizational rewilding. And the idea is, is pretty simple. And that is that the variable that causes complexity within an organization is the number of people. That in itself is not too difficult to say, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. You know, I used to be single, 
I got married. That's more complex. I had a couple kids. That's a lot more complex, right? That's pretty much uh, well understood. What we've identified, though, is that there are ranges in the number of employees during which the complexity is kind of stable enough that the rules for growth and for really health, you know, healthiness of that ecosystem are fairly constant. So what our research was able to identify is these ranges and we call those stages, stages of growth. So a business goes from stage one through stage seven and those stages have different numbers of employees related to them. And just as an example, stage one is comprised of organizations that have between one and 10 employees. Whereas stage two starts at 11 and goes to 19. What we have uncovered is that what is happening with businesses is they, they don't recognize what stage they're in and therefore they don't understand the rules or best practices for that stage. And they often get stuck because they are operating their business in a different stage, usually an earlier stage than really where they are and should be. Businesses will experience some growth. They'll think, hey, this is working. I've got, I've got it figured out finally. They go into a new stage. The rules change beneath their feet. They don't even realize it. And they keep on doing the same things the same way and they wonder why they're no longer having success. Really what we do with organizational rewilding is we diagnose where they are. So what stage am I in? We then have, uh, are able to prescribe what needs to change for them to be healthy, to grow. And if they choose to get bigger, grow bigger in their number of people within their organization. One of the key advantages of the methodology is it predicts what's coming next. And how many business owners wouldn't love to be able to predict what's coming next? I mean, that's the nature of entrepreneurism is being able to live not knowing what's coming. But our methodology actually allows you to say, hey, my organization's stage two. I know what stage two is. I know the rules. I'm operating under them. Stage three is coming when I add two more employees, but I know what's coming. And I can predict the changes that the organization needs to make, what I need to make as, as the CEO. And I can be actually anticipating those and preparing the organization in a proactive manner to be ready for that next stage. So it's extremely powerful in both knowing where you are and helping you get to where you would like to go. When I have looked at those stages, it is fascinating to me because let's say you're in stage two and you want to then grow into stage three. I suppose right. many people say, well, all right, I've now added three employees, and so now I'm in a larger company, so I just need to do more of what I've been doing. But your research yeah. and your analysis shows that it's much more of a functionality change. It's much more of an evolution of the entire business structure, much more so than simply saying, well, we've added people, so now we just do more of what we've been doing. You have to do different than what we've been doing, correct? Yeah, exactly. And what we've identified is eight different areas, what we call dimensions of a business. And we talk about these dimensions kind of like a facet on a gem. Each dimension 
doesn't in itself tell the whole story. But when you combine them all together, you get this full picture of the organization. I'll just be clear that organizational rewilding doesn't tell an engineer how to be a good engineer. It doesn't teach a good plumber how to be a plumber. That's that's kind of understood that the people doing the work know how to do the work. But it really is on these other things, like you were saying, where there's really a shift in thinking, a shift in what you're doing. But across these eight dimensions, and this is kind of the nice thing about the methodology, is once you understand these eight dimensions, you can apply them to your current stage. And then what happens when you get to the next stage, there's a shift in that. There can be a shift. Most of the times, there's at least some level shift between those stages in that particular dimension. But it's it's not like a whole new set of rules. It's kind of like going from college football to pro football. It's still football. There are some nuances there. That's really what the dimensions allow you to do is you understand these rules for growth, and then you can just apply them in the new version, the new set of rules within that dimension in the new stage. It really scales well. It's not like you're starting off with a brand new book in each stage. Matthew Pohl of the Rewild Group. To learn more about organizational rewilding, go to rewildgroup.com slash T-I-M. That's rewildgroup.com slash T-I-M. Business development specialists at Advance Iowa are among those certified in organizational rewilding. For more information, go to AdvanceIowa.com. And there's much more on this topic, which we will explore when we bring you more of this conversation on a future edition of this program. Still to come, tips for enhancing your social media presence. And later, you'll hear about a company now set to break ground yet this year on a new facility. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The bravery of the American military has been well documented, often due to the unique reporting done by Iowa-based broadcasters on the scene. From the battlefront to the home front, Iowa Broadcasters Go to War features vintage broadcasts and interviews with the journalists who cover 20th century wars. Jack Shelley, Herb Plambeck, Dean Borg, Ron Steele, and more. It's our featured DVD this week at TotallyIowa.com. Get your copy of From the Battlefront to the Home Front today at TotallyIowa.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review their latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. It's one thing to set up social media accounts for your business. It's quite another to provide consistently good content. Josh Scheinblum of Five Seasons Media in Cedar Rapids has been a guest on this program in the past. He recently shared, yes, on social media, a list of five ideas that may help with your business's social media content creation. First, share an interesting client success story. Congratulate your client on a goal you helped them achieve and explain how they did it to help celebrate their win. Second, Show your business's personality. Perhaps create a meme that is focused on your industry and put a lighthearted spotlight on an issue that you help solve for others. Third, introduce a member of your team. 
This shows your followers a face behind the brand and helps explain how your team is good, even great, at doing what they do. Number four, share an article that touches on an issue that may impact your client's goals. Industry-focused articles are fine, but he says if you can find a local news story that may not appear to the average consumer to be something that will impact their work, that's even better. And finally, ask a question. Create a graphic with a poll that encourages people to like it, thereby engaging with your post. You can contact Josh Scheinblum at Five Seasons Media. They're online at fiveseasonsmedia.com. That's the number fiveseasonsmedia.com. Coming up, it will be worth $8 billion to the Iowa economy. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello, fellow Iowans. This is Michael Swanger, owner and publisher of Iowa History Journal. 2023 marks Iowa History Journal's 15th anniversary, and we have planned some amazing stories for the year that you won't want to miss and that you won't find in other magazines. Pick up our January-February issue on newsstands at Hy-Vee, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and other outlets. Better yet, subscribe so that you don't miss an issue. Visit iowahistoryjournal.com and order today. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. In our business profile, we'll introduce you to Chad Tentinger, principal developer for the Cattlemen's Heritage Beef Company, which has plans to construct a new facility in Mills County in southwest Iowa. It was announced this past week that Cattlemen's Heritage has secured $150 million in investment for the project from the Karis Capital Group, based in Florida. And as Chad Tentinger told me when we connected this past week, things will now start happening quickly. I'm a fourth generation cattle feeder, been in this business my entire life with my grandparents and my dad and, and my brother still to this day. And, you know, for years, we've been talking about the markets and how it works with each other, with the CME and how we price our cattle. And what really came about was about uh, three years ago, we started getting pretty serious about thinking we need more capacity in the Midwest, the upper Midwest, for sure. We have a lot of great cattle. We're feeding more and more cattle up here. You know, the 80s farm crisis took cattle away. We're bringing them back today. And I just thought we needed more capacity. In that timeline, what happened? Holcomb, Kansas has a fire, shuts down a major plant. And it instantly proved that we have a major problem in this country with capacity because it destroyed the market immediately because they couldn't get the cattle processed. On the heels of that, we had COVID, obviously. We had JBS, I think, was hacked. I mean, all these so-called black swan events happened on the heels of each other. And what it really demonstrated is we absolutely need more capacity. So Cattlemen's Heritage is our idea of more capacity in the Midwest that will be a mid-sized regional plant. Very producer involved is the goal here, right? We have a shackle space program that cattle men and producers can buy and guarantee they have a space to deliver cattle. So if we have another disruption, nobody else gets their space. They own that space. It's guaranteed to be timely and it's guaranteed to be tied to the box beef cutout index versus the Chicago Board of Trade. That's a very important thing and that's a drastic change in how cattle are bought today. So if you go back in time through COVID and through these disruptions, what you see is the Board of Trade gets artificially lower because cattle get backed up. You can't process the prices drop. But box beef index either climbs or stays steady. 
So our philosophy is let's tie the product that the farmers are making to what the value of it is to the retailers. So Cattlemen's Heritage will be 2,000 head a day, 530,000 head a year that will have producer participation through the Shackle program. That's a 10-year program, and then we'll re-up it at the end of that. And the whole goal is to give family farmers and producers reliable place to take their cattle, guarantee their spot in a timely manner at a profitable margin. Put us, we can't guarantee profits in the cattle industry no better than anybody else can. But what we can guarantee is we're going to tie what we're paying our producers back to a stable mechanism called the box beef index. That's what we're about. And again, by putting it in a place like Mills County, you're going to be able to have the transportation be much less, as opposed to going to Kansas, as opposed to going to some other regional place. This seems like a great idea because if you're traveling less miles, you're going to have higher profit, I assume. Yeah, it's better grade, better yield. All that comes into play when you're traveling less. The state of Iowa right now, on average, ships a million head of cattle outside of its borders to be processed today. So we're going to capture about 530,000 of those. And to be fair, some will be obviously coming from eastern Nebraska, eastern South Dakota, western Iowa. Our corridor that we're really focused on is 200-mile radius from the plant. Now, obviously, there'll be producers that you know have great quality cattle and might want to be part of it that are further out. We'll do that also. But the main focus is 200 miles, which 200 miles out of Council Bluffs in any direction is a large area. So how did you put the dot in the map and pick the site that you did? Was it because of active trade area? Was it the lack of producing facilities? What factors went into selecting the location? You know, we have a guy on staff here that works for me. And, you know, about two and a half years ago, I tasked him with find the best spot in the Midwest for a plant. We didn't say Iowa. It didn't say specific, just Midwest. He found this space because it's access to shipping lanes. It's in the center hub of all of it, right? Kansas City, Twin Cities, Omaha, obviously, Des Moines, further to Chicago, but right in the center of all of that, large population. One of the biggest factors we looked at, you have to have an employee base to do this. It's going to have 800 employees every single day of the week. What's key about this is we're in a million-person market right there, right, with Omaha Council Bluffs. So we know we'll have that. Also, the site we have is zoned for this. You know, you have all egg-based companies around it. The site is zoned for it. It's in Mills County. When we looked at the three things we needed for sure, we knew we needed an employee base. It doesn't matter how great of a plant you built if you don't have employees in it. You have to have access. One of the things we're doing on that is single shift only, on-site daycare, healthcare, and banking. So we're really trying to make a very, very comfortable family atmosphere. Our break rooms in this plant will look like upscale cafes. Everything about it is designed to make sure that people want to come to work, they feel like it's a family environment, and that's what we were trying to create. So that was important that we had enough people to draw out of, that a site would be accepted, and in this space it obviously is, and centralized for shipping was very key to us in the center of great cattle country, right? So this just checked all the boxes. And when we talk to businesses about what it takes to attract and keep employees, it's the quality of life. So it's the child care, it's a single shift, it's break room. All of this is really, if I can be so blunt, it's flying in the face of what others in the industry seem to do, as I understand it. Find and maintain employees is not an easy challenge. And I just said to the team, maybe we should just do something really drastic and treat everybody very well and, and encourage this idea. You know, we don't want to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for the people that are just constantly traveling and moving from site to site. We want the top employees. We want the families. We want them to feel like they're part of a family. My whole belief system is the family farm. You'll hear me talk about that endlessly. 
I'm carrying that through to this business. We want them to be part of the family of Cattlemen's Heritage and have long-term employees and relationships with everybody. Our starting wage will be 55,000 a year plus benefits. So now if a mom and dad come to work, you're, you know, you're making a great wage, a great living. You can drop your kids off. You know, they got to get to school. You have to have some kind of a daycare prior to that. What do you need? You need shots. You need checkups. You need to be able to cash your checks. It's all going to be right on site, right there to make sure that we can do that. What's the timetable now? We have brought in our uh, main corner investor, $150 million. We just announced that. We are going through the process with the banks and bringing in this investor obviously closes the big loop that you have to have to close on the banks. We're in a 120-day process right now that will finalize everything. You know, the 150 is in, but we have to finalize the banks and a few other investors now will close all this. So our anticipation is after 120 days, we'll break ground and that's somewhere late spring, early summer. That's our target. It's certainly this season. In this world we live in today, everything takes a little longer than we think it should, but mm-hmm. We took down the ground. We've got the investors. Everything is moving exactly like it should. And we will be breaking ground this season for sure. Obviously, 800 employees day one with well-paying job, livable wages, as everybody wants to say, right? Well above that. Ernie Goss did a study out of Creighton for us. He found another 3,500 ancillary jobs throughout the region. So we're talking 4,000 plus permanent long-term jobs after construction is done. So that's a huge part of this. And that ties into the cattle feeding. You know, we're going to build more buildings. Things like that will come about, obviously. You know, Ernie Goss's study, I guess you could say it was regional. He said the state of Iowa, but obviously it's regional. Between opening and 2028, the first four years, we'll have $8 billion in economic impact in this region. Chad Tentinger, principal developer for the Cattlemen's Heritage Beef Company. We connected via Zoom on Tuesday, January 24th. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.